What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you with a one-quarterback rookie mock draft. Yesterday, you guys would have seen us do a two-round Superflex rookie mock draft using Mel Kuyper's most recent two-round NFL mock draft. That was a mouthful. Today, we're going to be using a seven-round mock draft for a one-quarterback, three-round rookie mock draft uh, using the Athletics' Dane Brugler's mock draft. So we're going to be doing this. If you guys haven't checked out a video like this already, we're going to be doing a, a rookie mock draft as if these picks actually happen the way that Dane Brugler actually has them set out. So if you enjoy this video at any point, like, comment, subscribe. You know the drill. Danny, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. And yeah, I just want to quickly preface that we are putting ourselves through a blender here. Not only is it a three-round mock for y'all, it's a one quarterback mock, so we're going to be talking about some irrelevance at the end of this. We're going to be talking about some fifth, sixth, seventh round guys, but I mean, I know if you guys, if you sickos are out there watching this, you would already love that to begin with, but I'm fired up, ready to go. Obviously, seven rounds, there's going to be a lot more of a player pool in terms of what we can talk about, obviously, with landing spots, so I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to roll up the sleeves and get down in the gritty. If you guys want more Dynasty rookie content, our one quarterback, Superflex rookie rankings, link is in the description for those, patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange, or you can um, go support our sponsors over at Underdog Fantasy using promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit. You will get 100% match back on whatever you put in, and you'll also get our Dynasty rankings manifesto as a free thank you for using our code. So if you're interested in that, links are down below. Now let's hit the intro. Okay, so if you skip the intro, like I said, this is a one-quarterback rookie mock draft using Dane Brugler's seven-round mock draft from The Athletic. So, Danny, you have the first pick. Um, Brees Hall in a one-quarterback league is the consensus 101. Is he going to stay the 101 for your year? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a no-brainer here. Obviously, if there was a super flex, it would be a lot more debated, obviously, with uh, Brees Hall landing in the second round with the Falcons, Malik Willis landing at eighth overall with the Falcons. However, in the one-quarterback format, Locked and loaded. You got your top 45 draft capital. You got your spot with a ton of opportunity. Brees Hall has the profile to command that type of workload at the next level. So I'm just not going to overthink it. I'm going to take uh, the potential bell cow running back with the adequate draft capital. That would indicate that he's ready to take on that type of role with Atlanta. Yeah, and if you guys are listening on the podcast right now, which is the link is down below, I'd, I'd suggest you go over to YouTube so you can see what the picks were and you can see um, who everybody went to in the mock draft because it's pretty hard for us to kind of just run down the mock and say where everybody went. But 102, I'm on the board here. Uh, in a one-quarterback format, the 102 is between three players. It's between Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. It's between Traylon Burks from Arkansas, and it's between Drake London from USC. Drake London is my current 102, but post-draft, if all these guys go to these landing spots, Garrett Wilson went 10th overall to the New York Jets. Uh, Traylon Burks went uh, 25th overall to the Buffalo Bills and Drake London went 18th overall to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, obviously, Philadelphia, as we talked about in last video with Chris Olave going there, not the most ideal landing spot from a volume perspective, from a, a target share perspective with Devontae Smith there also taking targets and uh, Dallas Goddard there taking targets. But I believe Drake London would become the number one there if he was drafted there. Either way, I am going to go with the landing spot in a, a prospect that I have ranked similarly with Traylon Burks at the 102 here. You're getting a similar situation in terms of obviously competition for targets, but the difference here is we know 
the type of volume that is going to suffice in that Buffalo Bills passing attack. And we know right now, like, I get it. I, I don't mind Jalen Hurts, but listen, he ain't close to Josh Allen. You're talking about offensive insulation to the highest degree when you're talking about Traylon Burks with the Bills. I mean, we know this offense is going to put up points. We know that Traylon Burks is an elite athlete, elite with the ball in his hands. And I just trust Josh Allen to be able to run this offense and get this guy the adequate volume to be able to be a fantasy monster. So he would also be my second overall pick behind Brees Hall. And I think he smashed out of the park there with Burks, obviously, as a Buffalo Bill, 25th overall pick. Yeah, not a not a very uh, particularly yeah. hard decision to make with Traylon Burks there. So you're on the board with 103. Are you going to go with Garrett Wilson? Are you going to go with Drake London, somebody else? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of outlined my thoughts on the Eagles situation uh, in last video when I was talking about Chris Olave at the 108. If you guys haven't watched it, obviously, uh, it'll be linked in the description. But when we're talking about this area, like, yeah, if I have Garrett Wilson and Drake London ranked similarly, I'm just going to take the one that I view as being the better landing spot. Listen, I don't have many issues with that landing spot from a long-term perspective because I do think either Hertz is going to take the step up or they're going to take their next quarterback to do so. But why worry about that situation when I have a similar talent in a situation that is much better, in my opinion, from a fantasy perspective, is a role that he can step into right off the bat. You're only competing for targets with Elijah Moore realistically in New York, and you're getting Zach Wilson, who we both expect to be the quarterback there long term. No brainer for me. I'm just going to go with Garrett Wilson and trust that spot comparatively to Philadelphia with London. Right. So the 104 here is an interesting pivot point. I personally still lean with the elite wide receiver yes. talent and Drake London. But if I were going to favor landing spot over, you know, the the perceived better talent, this is like the cutoff, right? Because Philadelphia Eagles are, uh, you know, a C plus landing spot. Let's say it that way. Kenneth Walker, who is probably going to be the 105 in this draft goes to the Buffalo Bills in the second round, which I believe he's done in every single one of these mock draft reactions <laughs> seems like it. Uh, that we've done. This is a pivot point where I don't hate if you take Kenneth Walker, but if you're in any kind of full PPR league, I'm still taking, you know, Drake London. So give me Drake London to the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, we don't like to overvalue landing spot, but when you're in the same tier, like these receivers are, then you can start to take that into account. Draft capital landing spot becomes more important. Drake London, maybe in year one, isn't that productive with Jalen Hurts and a, a run-heavy offense that doesn't run as high, a fast of a pace offense that you know Buffalo does, for example. But Drake London, long-term, I believe, can be a number one receiver in this league, and they'll tailor their offense around Drake London if he is indeed that good of a player going forward and into the future. And maybe it is, like you said, a different quarterback there um, come you know year two, year three of Drake London's career. So uh, you're on the board with the 105 here. I'm assuming you're going to probably go with Kenneth Walker. Yeah. I mean, Kenneth Walker, you're talking about the insulation there. You mentioned the landing spot. I mentioned the landing spot. Buffalo, offensive insulation, a lot of points, a lot of opportunity for Kenneth Walker that was showcased last year down the stretch. I mean, Devin Singletary had a ton of relevance being this team's main lead back last year. And people might argue in the comment section, well, if he was so good, like well, why do we expect Walker to take that role? 57th overall draft capital here, better overall player, better overall runner, better overall fit for the offense, and quite frankly, just a better player when you're talking about Kenneth Walker. I don't see anything standing in the way of him at least taking the rushing work. Receiving work, argue for it. You want Devin Singletary to you know, be his Naheem Hines, whatever you want to call it? Sure, argue that. I don't care. If Walker's getting drafted to Buffalo at 57, Walker is going to be their 16-18 running back uh, carry per game type of back. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with that take Uh, 106. Again, we've kind of 
talked about this, this receiver second tier a lot. There's a number of guys that you could go with at run. Like, I'm not going to go with a running back here. Isaiah Spiller fell to the fourth round in this mock draft. So he's, you know, completely out of consideration for me here at wide receiver. My next tier of wide receivers, I have Jahan Dotson uh, at pre-draft as my next wide receiver rank. Jamison Williams closely behind him and Chris Olave ranked closely behind him. So in this scenario, we have Jahan Dotson going 32nd overall to the Detroit Lions. We have Jamison Williams going 19th overall to the New Orleans Saints and Chris Olave going 22nd overall to the Green Bay Packers. I'm personally going to go with Jamison Williams here. Uh, I don't actually think he's going to make it to 19. We're getting tons of reports top 10. that uh, he's going to be the first receiver off the board. He's going to go top 10. If the Eagles want him, they're going to have to go trade up for him. Like there is smoke with Jamison Williams right now to the point that he might be the eighth overall pick to the Atlanta Falcons in this upcoming draft or potentially even higher than that. So uh, Jamison Williams at 106, I, I think this is a dude, we all, we all know what his skill set is. He's a burner. He's super fast, great after the catch, you know, good in contested catch situations. This is a guy that is going to help an NFL team to, to a very, very high degree and, and should be able to uh, command targets when he's doing so. So 106, I think is, is great value for him in a one quarterback format. I do hope he goes top 10. I do hope he goes as the first wide receiver off the board. I'm sure you share these thoughts because I got 50 bucks at plus 450 on it. Let's just hope that hits for both of our wallet standpoints. But either way, I mean, when you're talking about Jamison Williams landing spot here with the Saints, they need that complimentary deep threat to Michael Thomas. Obviously, we've seen when Jameis Winston is at his full capacity, he is able to stretch that field. He's able to have a player that can work in that deep portion of the field, which Jamison Williams can do better than anybody in this class. I can't really be proven otherwise in that regard. And if you're marriaging that level of talent, that specific skill set to what Jameis was really missing, even when he was succeeding last year with the Saints, I mean, it's a match made in heaven. 106, perfect opportunity to pair up Jamison Williams here. And that would have been my pick as well. Jamison Williams, after that big five go off the board, is that next man up. But after Jamison Williams, it's going to be my pick. And speaking of marriages, speaking of uh, a, just a team that needs a guy that can step in right away and be an instant producer, I absolutely love the marriage of Olave to the Packers. He would be my next ranked receiver, period. And the fact that he also gets that insulation of playing with Aaron Rodgers, he's locked and loaded as a top seven pick in a non-super flex start or a rookie draft at this point. If that happens. Yeah, I think in some some drafts, he might even go higher than London. I Absolutely. can't do that. I like I know that it'll probably happen in some leagues because they'll see the Packers landing spot versus the Eagles landing spot. I think London is a tier above Olave as a prospect, so I would probably still favor London. But the highest I'm willing to take Olave if he gets a landing spot like this is probably 105 if you're not in need of a running back. Yeah. Um, that would probably be where he would settle in, assuming we get these landing spots. And you guys, uh, for watching on YouTube, you guys can see on the screen where everybody went. So... Uh, the next pick, again, I have a tier, a big tier of, of tier two wide receivers, Sky Moore and Jahan Dotson are the other two guys that are in that tier. I have Jahan Dotson ranked higher. I really like Sky Moore's landing spot, though. I'm not going to lie. Uh, going 42nd overall to the Indianapolis Colts. So uh, give me the first round draft capital with Jahan Dotson. I'll take, Jah- I'll take Jahan Dotson here at 108, but this is like splitting hairs. There's really no difference to me between uh, 108 and 109 here with Jahan Dotson going to the Detroit Lions. You could argue that it might be a little bit of a redundant fit because you have, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown who profiles as, you know, slot receiver. You have Hawkinson who's more of like the over the, over the middle target. DeAndre Swift, who's a running back, also kind of accomplishes that role. But this is an offense that runs their offense that way, right? Like this is the New Orleans Saints scheme. When they were at their best, they had Kamara and Thomas and some of these shorter targets 
uh, eating up volume. And Jahan Dotson can stretch the field too. So he can be your field stretcher and play on the outside. His release package is one of the most advanced in the entire class. And if they wanted to just pigeonhole him to being, you know, a Z flanker receiver and keep him on Ross St. Brown in the slot, maybe even move Jahan Dotson to X in two wide receiver sets, I think they could definitely get away with it. Jahan Dotson, while not the biggest guy in the world, 5'10 and a half, 180 pounds or whatever, can still do that. And I, I think he would go all very much over, you know, looked in rookie drafts if he went to the Lions at 32. Yeah, no, uh, that's a good pick here. Uh, first round draft capital opportunity with the Lions and just in general, a guy that can flat out play. I mean, plain and simple, you want guys that can play football. You want guys that get drafted highly. And Jahan Dotson kind of represents the marriage of both of those, if you will. Uh, more than fine at the 108 here. Talking about the 109, you mentioned it was between Dotson and Sky Moore for your 109. Well, Sky Moore is not going to hear his, or not going to be waiting to hear his name called much longer here because he's going to be my next pick. Yeah, I mean, you talk the landing spot here. And if Sky Moore ended up falling to that 42nd pick, ended up being drafted, selected by the Indianapolis Colts, I mean, realistically there, there is an opportunity for him to establish himself right off the bat. I mean, outside of Michael Pittman, you let Pascal go, you have Ashton Doolin. Like, what do they have at wide receiver after Michael Pittman? And that's a big fat zero. They have absolutely nothing there. You put Sky Moore on that offense, who for all accounts is a great prospect in his own right. You're not just force feeding a random, you know, day three or round three, round four talent here. No, you're you're forcing uh volume to a legitimate top 35, top 40 type of player in this class with Sky Moore. You're pairing obviously the yak ability, the um, you know guy that can run your slot next to a big body target hog next to Michael Pittman in an offense that should be more reliable, should be less volatile with Matt Ryan running it as opposed to what we saw with Wentz last year. I think Sky Moore's got the potential to be a wide receiver 2-3 type even as soon as his rookie year. Yeah, and we saw Ryan gravitate towards Russell Gage last year once um, Ridley was gone and Pitts was you know getting triple covered every single play. So Sky Moore can kind of play the slot role for the Indianapolis Colts. And we know that they're, they've been productive receivers in that role. And Paris Campbell might've been one of those guys if he could actually stay on the field. So um, the one ten, I mean, is it too early for a quarterback here? I don't think, I, I don't think I would pick Malik Willis at this point in time, but if you were, you know, in desperate need of a quarterback at the one at the one ten in a one quarterback format, or you have maybe Aaron Rodgers is your only good quarterback and you need some youth at that position, some upside at that position. I think I'm comfortable taking Malik Willis after this tier of wide receivers is off the board. But I'm actually going to go and uh, take George Pickens here. He went 37th overall to the uh, Houston Texans. A guy that I think, again, we we know that I'm not necessarily the highest on George Pickens, but you know, top 40 draft capital for a receiver that you know is a 50-50 coin flip is how I would kind of describe George Pickens. He goes to an offense that is, I would say, ascending. At the very least, you're going to play with Davis Mills this year, potentially a superstar rookie quarterback in 2023. And Brandon Cooks is there to take and shoulder some of the uh, the load early on in your career while you're developing. So George Pickens could play like an ancillary deep threat role to begin his Texans career and maybe develop year two, year three into their number one wide receiver. Yeah, no, uh, I, I think that's a good pick. I mean, Pickens, you land there with the with the Texans, 37th overall draft capital, meaning that teams aren't necessarily worried about, you know, uh, the overall completeness to his game or the injury that he was dealing with last year. So if you're getting that 37th overall draft capital, I do think that Pickens should be a top 10 skill position player to be off the board. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think that's a good pick. 110. Speaking of 111, you kind of alluded to Malik Willis. I mean, 
at this point, if I'm staring down the barrel and my next best skill position player is Christian Watson, just give me the top 10 selected quarterback with legitimate Konami code league breaking type of ability from a fantasy standpoint. If you're talking about a bog standard four point passing touchdown league, like, listen, this guy's got legitimate 60 plus rush yard per game type of potential at the next level. Combine that with a huge arm. Yeah. Does he need some work mechanically? Does he need some refinement uh, in terms of his actual progression game? Absolutely. He is not a complete prospect here, but I would rather swing for the fences on a Malik Willis who can legitimately change my lineup if he hits as opposed to Christian Watson. I mean, we're not fans of Christian Watson lands in a situation. I mean, realistically, do we really trust that bears team and offense in general to really support Watson to be a fantasy game breaker? I don't see that type of scenario. So as a result, just give me the guy who has that in his range of outcomes with Malik Willis. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that take at all. Uh, Christian Watson will be my pick here though. at one twelve. Yep. Um, as much as the bears landing spot, isn't the worst, it isn't like the best in the world. You get some size in that receiving core. Darnell Mooney could be a, maybe a one in this league, maybe a 120 target one, but you probably need a running mate for him at the very least who can command 110, 120 targets, which Watson could do if he hits. And again, much like Pickens, he is really like a 50, 50 coin flip. He's either going to be great at the next level and be, you know, the next chase Claypool or something like that. Or he's going to flame out and be the next, you know, Doriel Green Beckham or something. Like he, he's just not, he, he's not a guy that I'm feeling comfortable betting on at anything further than like a one-two turn pick in a in a one quarterback league and probably an early second round pick, mid second round pick in a super flex format. So um, I'm off the board at the one twelve. We'll try and speed this up for the second and third round. You're on the board with two hundred one. Yeah, and uh, I'm just going to rush up the card right now. Uh, he was a little bit more buried because he was a late third round pick, but, and I'm sure maybe if, if you notice it, you would have picked him too. But I mean, David Bell landing with the Packers third round, that's all we need. I mean, we, would it be nice if he was a top 50 pick? If he was, you know, one of the highest, you know, second round type of picks that, you know, a T Higgins, Michael Pittman, Elijah Moore have been in the past. Absolutely. We'd prefer that. But at the end of the day here, he did land on day two. He avoided that crux of being a fourth round or later wide receiver. And, to boot, you land him with Aaron Rodgers with what should end up being one of the better offenses in the league. Yes, you lose Devontae Adams, but I mean, realistically, even with Alave, David Bell, um, I mean, they signed Watkins today, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, you know, a solid offensive line when they're healthy. And of course, you know, Aaron freaking Rodgers throwing the rock. He is going to be able to earn a role right off the bat. And I can see him end up devo- developing into that big dominant slot that can absorb targets and we've seen from the past if Aaron Rodgers can trust you right off the bat he has no problem with force feeding targets to his reliable playmaker I think um to my point uh in our matchmaker video where I talked about Jahan Dotson being a great fit for the yeah. Packers I think Olave and Bell are also the type of receiver that Aaron Rodgers would like they're yeah. both reliable they're both you know they have great hands they're going to get open very consistently I uh, I like the fit. If they double up at receiver, I hope they do something like this. I hope they don't go for, you know, Christian Watson and Jalen Tolbert, guys that are a little bit more volatile and, you know, we don't know what we're getting from them. I hope they take proven playmakers like these dudes if they go two wide receivers. So at 2-2, two, a two, uh, number of directions I could go here. I could go with a quarterback. Kenny Pickett got top six draft capital, which is pretty undeniable. And my other, you know, the second round quarterbacks and Desmond Ritter also getting great draft capital. I think I am going to go with Desmond Ritter here at a okay. 2-2. Uh, two, two. He went 20th overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. It, it, again, similar to what I said with Jamison Williams, we're getting a lot more smoke that Desmond Ritter is going to go high in the NFL draft. 
I think he's probably going to go in the first round at minimum. I, I don't know t- if 20 overall to the Steelers means that they're targeting him specifically. But if Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett are indeed going to go in the top 10, I'm sure the Steelers are still going to want to address the quarterback position. And Desmond Ritter feels like the guy that they would go to, uh, even though I think Sam Howell would be a perfect fit for their offense. I think Desmond Ritter would be the guy that they would gravitate towards too. So um, a guy that can run, guy with who's a great athlete, uh, in a one quarterback format, again, if you if you were to have a, a quarterback core on a hypothetical dynasty roster that had Aaron Rodgers and then like some replacement level guys and you want to get some youth, get some upside, get some rushing ability into your quarterback core, a pick like Desmond Ritter in the early second of a one quarterback league makes some sense. Yeah, I just quickly want to reference uh, in terms of if you guys are doing uh, your super flex big boards right now. I'm not sure. Uh, but if you're in your underdog drafts right now in your super flex big boards. Desmond Ritter is going extremely late. I mean, I'm sure you could pull up the ADP there, but this is a guy that you can get at the tail end of your drafts because I guess the fantasy community doesn't really realize that this guy is getting buzz, legitimate first-round buzz. This guy's got legitimate legs. I mean, we're talking about a mid-4-4 type of runner. I've, I've actually believe 4 9 is what he ran. 4 4 9 was the official time. So we got the athleticism there. And if he's in a situation like Pittsburgh, I mean, we talk about – insulation i mean when you have deontay johnson um chase claypool Najee harris like this is going to be a team that can't support a young quarterback obviously the main concern here would be the offensive line but the Steelers have shown me that they're a franchise that i can trust in rebuilding a problem area they knew that they had to be able to run the ball more effectively last year what did they do they end up getting Najee harris i mean they they are a team that is able to figure out their needs and being able to spot them accordingly, which they've done for what the last 30 years. So if he landed on the Steelers, I would be more than comfortable. And as uh, I mean, I would take him over Kenny Pickett period. Yep. That's fair. So you're on the board here, two, three. Yep. And I mean, although I just kind of shot on uh, Kenny Pickett, I mean, realistically here, the skill position talent just isn't really where we want it to be at. I mean, we, we saw guys, you know, like Jalen Tolbert uh, go in the second round, but, just give me the the high selected quarterback over, you know, the fringe MVS type of wide receiver at 62nd overall. I'll take Kenny Pickett. We're not big fans of Kenny Pickett, but you can't deny the draft capital. You can't deny the starting opportunity. And if he has four or five years to showcase himself as a starting quarterback, which the draft capital would indicate, it's worth the pick. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I wouldn't have picked Kenny Pickett there. I'd let somebody yeah. else in my league pick him. Uh, I'll Give me yeah. Trey McBride here. Tight end for the Buccaneers. Yep. Going there at the 60th pick, according to Dane Brugler. I don't think they're going to draft Trey McBride, but they have met with him a lot. I know that for a fact. Yep. And they might look to address the tight end position. We know this tight end class is rich in talent from like the third to fourth round area. Trey McBride seems like one of the only consensus guys getting second round buzz. But uh, if Gronk isn't back, and they'll probably know that before they end up drafting, uh, and if they know Gronk is not going to be back, then McBride in the second round does make some sense to me. And he'd probably walk into an offense that he he does have. I don't want to say he's a similar skill set to Gronk, but he is a, a a true like wide tight end that can block, that can get out on routes, catch the ball consistently kind of thing. So he's not a guy that's like OJ Howard, who you got to figure out how to use the guy. This is more of your traditional um, tight end that that's going to play that that traditional role for you. Yep, uh, I, I think that's a good pick. And obviously landing in a situation where you're already uh, subjected to a ton of passing volume with the Buccaneers that we've seen in the past. If he's able to get selected in the top 60, obviously you're assuming that Gronk's probably not back. Yeah, there's an opportunity there. And obviously McBride is the type of athlete that a guy like Brady can work with. So no uh, no issues with that. 2-4. 205 here. Uh, 
I'm surprised you didn't take him. I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, I'm going to have to take your boy here. I know you're going to be a little upset, but uh, I mean, Tyler Algier got third round freaking draft capital. You have to take Tyler Algier in this instance. You land in a situation with the Saints. I mean, we've seen that they've basically been the archetype for a dual back type of system in the past, obviously with Ingram and Kamara doing their work in 2017, 2018, a kind of style that's been adapted. Obviously, we've seen in Green Bay with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, as we kind of talked about off recording. Getting Algier to be your pseudo A.J. Dillon to Aaron Jones, the way that even Ingram was to Alvin Kamara back in the day as well. I mean, it's a no-brainer for me. You're getting a big physical between the tackles type of runner that isn't solely pegged into that role because he does have versatility to his skill set. We could be talking about a situation where this Saints offense can be completely rebuilt in this draft if they got a Jameson Williams, if they got a Tyler Algier. Maybe they take a tackle with their second first-round pick, and soon enough, Jameis Winston's leading a top-ten offense in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, and I think Algier, if you play in like a dynasty best ball league, he's definitely going to have you know six to ten rushing touchdowns yeah. on a good season as well. Um, so yeah, I like that pick. He would have been my next pick, and I probably— yeah. Maybe should have picked him over Trey McBride, but either way, I had to go with the homer pick because uh, the Buccaneers <laughs> did draft Trey McBride in this scenario. So there's a couple guys on the board for me here. I'm actually going to go with my quarterback one uh, in Sam Howell, who went uh, 47th overall to the Washington Commanders. I think it's a dream landing spot for Sam Howell. He has a great skill set to run an offense that has a lot of speed, which is what the Washington Commanders offense has with McLaurin and Antonio Gibson being like 4-3 guys. And Sam Howell can you know, play behind a great offensive line, which he didn't have his final year at North Carolina. And he's reunited with his former college teammate in Deami Brown. So I really like uh, Sam Howell to the, to the pan, uh, not the Panthers. They run a Panther scheme, but the Washington commanders. Yeah. I think that's a really good fit. You mentioned the chemistry there already with Deami Brown. I, I do think that obviously with Washington, you have the volatility of Carson Wentz right now, but Carson Wentz is a short-term solution, and I think we both agree. He's on not that. even a solution. He's a short-term person that you can yeah. maybe sell the idea of to your fan base. But if the Washington Commanders don't at least draft like a second or a third-round quarterback or have somebody in the building behind Carson Wentz, by week eight of the season, I think they're going to be just like trying to get the season over with. On to the next pick, though. Uh, this is a, a tough point because, I, I mean, I don't want to take – the next tight end or quarterback uh, for the most. I mean, you could go corral actually. Yeah, I, I'll just go corral. Cause there's obviously a big uh, drop off after corral. You get that 40th overall draft capital. You land him with the Seahawks. I think that would be a really good scenario. Just let him learn from a year. Obviously you're not going to learn much from drew lock, but just learn the system, learn the offense. And for the most part, I mean, they've talked at hand that they really want to keep DK Metcalf around town. If they keep DK Metcalf around town, I mean, you have at least that locked and loaded stud near superstar level type of wide receiver insulated to Matt Corral for the long term. So, I mean, I mean, little old misconnection there, a little shout out. But uh, if he goes Seahawks top 40, I think two seven is probably appropriate for his draft capital in terms of rookie drafts. Yeah, and now we will not be taking a rookie uh, quarterback for the rest no. of the draft because the, all of them are gone. Carson Strong went uh, in the fourth round to the Titans. I don't really care. Uh, Billy Zappi <laughs> went in like the fourth round too, Texans, I think, right? in this mock draft. Don't really care. So the next player I would go with, I know this is kind of taboo to take a fourth round running back over a second round wide receiver because my decision would be between uh, Jalen Tolbert, who went to the Chiefs, and um, Isaiah Spiller, who went to the Buccaneers. 
but give me Isaiah Spiller. I don't think he's a fourth round talent. I think he's a second round talent at running back. Again, if you want to favor the draft capital, no complaints there, but uh, Isaiah Spiller, ideally not a great landing spot for him in theory, because he's going to be behind Leonard Fournette, probably just relegated to handcuff value his rookie season. But this is about the range of the draft where Chuba Hubbard went last year. And he was still, uh, you know, a mid second, a mid to late second round pick for most people. And Isaiah Spiller is a much better prospect than uh, Chuba Hubbard, much more well-rounded skill set. And there's a clearer path to me of him becoming the starter after, you know, one year, a year and a half of Leonard Fournette, who's a 27 year old running back with a big workload under his belt in his career too, who has, you know, limited dead money after one season. So if Isaiah Spiller shows a lot as a rookie on like a hundred touches or something like that, they might even, you know, trade Leonard Fournette or cut Leonard Fournette and roll with Spiller going forward. So I, uh, I like Spiller at two, eight to the, to the Buccaneers. I think it's worth the risk at that point. Yep. No, no, no issues with that. Uh, my next player, I mean, you, you talked about Tolbert, I don't like overvaluing landing spots, but when we're getting to the icky portion of the draft, when we're comparing them to, you know, uh, other than a couple of guys. Robinsons and Alec Pierce's and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. At that point, just give me the chiefs, give me second round draft capital. You know, even if you don't like the player, there's going to be somebody in your league that likes him because they look at that chief's landing spot, because they look at the off season movement and will want him at least, even if he doesn't produce right away, which I mean, there's players in every single league that will value a landing spot over actual production, which makes no sense. But I mean, either way, am I going to completely knock the guy? No, he he is at least good at what he does. I mean, he's good at stretching the field. He's good at coming up with contested uh, catches, but he's an older prospect and he's going to be what? 24 by the time the season starts. Yeah. Which is not ideal for sure. <laughs> um, yikes. Yeah. So the next pick, I'm actually going to go again. We're, we're, we're at the point in the draft, and this is a, a decision point for most people in one quarterback leagues and super flex leagues, because I think by this point in the draft, both in one quarterback and in super flex, all the top five quarterbacks should be off the board. You're, you're really just picking your dudes at this point. If you like, you know, Zamir White, pick Zamir White. If you like Kevin Austin, pick Kevin Austin. If you like Alec Pierce, pick Alec Pierce. There's really no consensus, I would say, once you get to this point in the draft. I like James Cook, so I'm going to go with James Cook. Uh, James Cook in this scenario went fourth round at the beginning of the fourth round to the New York Giants. Saquon Barkley's often injured. It sounds like they don't want to extend him, you know, long term. James Cook this year uh, in this scenario would play like a complimentary role to Saquon Barkley, uh, you know, get some receiving work. And then maybe next year they bring in a lesser known bruiser and he's like maybe their feature back with a with a thunder element to that offense. So I like James Cook uh, at the end of the second round here who went in the fourth round to the Giants. You know, it's funny you mentioned that again, uh, I'm not going to go too off topic here, but if you were to just like get like two mid round type of running backs, or I mean, early to mid round, cause obviously Algiers got a higher grade, but if you were to take like just two running backs in the class that if you could take just both of them and make a committee backfield, like imagine just getting Tyler Algier and James Cook and just putting them in the same backfield. That would make a lot of sense. If the Texans <laughs> took one of them in the third round and one of them in the fourth round, it would make some sense. If they got Algier in the third round, James Cook in the fourth round and just paired those two guys, because they could use two running backs. Like they have nobody of note on their roster. So that wouldn't, that would be uh, probably fine if somebody wanted to do that. For sure. A little off topic, but just something that I thought of on the fly that I'm sure people would enjoy listening to. But either way, next pick, uh, I mean, I'm going to take John Mechie. Not the most ideal landing spot to say the least. You're talking about uh, third round to the, um, New York Giants here but I mean realistically he got the desired third round draft capital he is still a good complimentary type of player I mean if we're talking about that receiving core I mean realistically after Kadarius Tony long term like can you really trust Kenny Galladay long term can you really trust 
Sterling Shepard, who's about to be 30 years old, coming off a, a season-ending injury long-term? Like, no. Like, there is opportunity long-term for Mechie to develop and cut out a nice, complimentary wide receiver 2-3, Emmanuel Sanders-esque type of role at the next level. Yeah, that makes some sense to me. I think yep. uh, no qualms with that pick. I got uh, the next one on the board here. This is yep. just kind of like a fun pick. Give me Wondell Robinson to the Chargers. I like it. Um, Wondell Robinson went 79th overall, third-round draft capital for him in this mock draft. Um, I, I don't think he's going to go in the third round personally, but if he does and he goes to an offense that passes as much as the Chargers do with a quarterback as good as Justin Herbert, he's definitely going to have some weeks. Um, and maybe long-term if Keenan Allen, you know, ages poorly or something like that, maybe he can develop himself into a good slot receiver at the next level. So I'll take Wondell Robinson there. Yep. Uh, I don't mind it at all. Uh, my next pick, uh, the, the first pick of the third round, obviously in a non super flex, you're not really talking about quarterback at the spot, especially not one with no real rushing upside at all with Carson strong, no real draft capital at all with Carson strong. So, uh, not to dunk on Carson strong. I'm going to take a wide receiver here that, Ended up getting 78th overall draft capital. Listen, do I like the prospect of Alec Pierce? No, but in terms of pure opportunity, I'd rather the guy that has the draft capital that would indicate opportunity as opposed to reaching down the board on some of these round four, round five, round six wide receivers or, I mean, Calvin Austin. So, I mean, just give me give me Alec Pierce and maybe he develops a, a rapport with Deshaun Watson, that deep portion of the field when Watson's back. Yeah, similarly, give me Khalil Shakir to the Falcons at uh, at 82. He went in the third round, which I think is yep. possible. He's got a bit of a cult following. I know a lot of you guys have talked about him in the comments section. If he goes to the Falcons, the Falcons in this scenario drafted no wide receivers. They didn't. They drafted Malik Willis at eight in this mock draft and Brees Hall at 43. So they didn't draft any wide receivers. He'd have, I'm not going to say he's the number one wide receiver for that team, but he'd have the most you know, path, the highest path to opportunity probably of any receiver that got drafted in this mock draft. So I'll take uh, Khalil Shakir there with third round draft capital of the Falcons. Obviously opportunity there. Got a little bit of a cult following. If it gets day, or day two draft capital, all is possible. Same with the Alec Pierce type of take for me. Um, either way though, 303. Uh, this is a little bit of homer base, but I do think the athletic profile, the size of this guy, and obviously the paired uh, draft capital here at 88th overall would indicate this as being a properly valued pick. And that's going to be Jelani Woods in this mock, particularly 88th overall capital to the Dallas Cowboys. And it's pretty simple to me. I mean, we saw Dalton Schultz was a mid round pick a couple years ago without even remotely a similar uh, athletic profile that Jelani Woods represents. And he ended up being an absolute target, target hog last year. Dalton Schultz is on a franchise tag and is realistically probably not going to be re-signing with Dallas given their recent offensive moves. If you want a natural transition from, you know, the sure-handed, uh, good route-running type of Dalton Schultz that ultimately what Jelani Woods represents as a pure athletic playmaker at the position, I think it would be a perfect transition for this offense. We need playmakers. We need guys that can work down the field and have the elite athleticism to be able to do so. And Jelani Woods is very, very interesting in that regard. You're talking about a six foot seven, 265 pound player with legit four, six speed here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree. I think that's a good pick there. Uh, Calvin Austin is going to be the next pick here Yep. at uh, pick 90 overall to the Titans. Again, another offense that similar to what I said with, with Wandell Robinson. It's an offense that I believe, you know, the quarterback's good. You got AJ Brown in town. Who's obviously going to command targets. Robert Woods is there, but not much else on the depth chart after those guys. So Calvin Austin, if he can work his way 
into like a full-time slot receiver role might have some good weeks if you're in, you know, best ball league, or if you uh, want some, you know, flex production or something like that. Again, at this point in the draft, we're just looking for guys with decent opportunity who we kind of think are good players. So Calvin Austin at three, four makes some sense there. My next pick here at the three, five, we, there's only one top 100 pick left available, but I don't know. I, I'm not a big Dolchich guy. Um, I'm going to take Damian Pierce running back from the Eagles here, fifth round draft capital. And although he doesn't have the most complete three down skill set, there's going to be clear opportunity there working with the Eagles. And this is that physical between the tackles runner that would really, really complement with what they got in Kenneth Gainwell. You obviously have Kenneth Gainwell kind of running your third down, your receiving type of role. And Damian Pierce can ultimately be what they had Jordan Howard playing a couple years ago. I mean, Jordan Howard saw fantasy relevance on this team just a couple years ago, playing the role that we would envision for Damian Pierce, being that between the tackles runner, being that goal line merchant. I can see Damian Pierce making his name in the NFL, just simply working off of what we saw Jordan Howard did a couple years ago. Yeah. And at this point in the draft, when you're looking at running backs, they're not going to have three down opportunities Absolutely like not. ahead of them. They're, they're getting day three draft capital. They're probably behind established starters. You're looking for what's their path to relevance. Is it injury? In that case, they're a pretty decent handcuff and a deep, decent depth piece. But in Damian Pierce's case, he's going to be in an ambiguous backfield with a guy in Miles Sanders who doesn't seem like the coaching staff is all that high on. So Damian Pierce, you know, midway through his rookie season, would it shock us if this scenario played out? And Damian Pierce was carrying the ball 15 to 20 times a game because Miles Sanders is hurt again. And uh, even when he was on the field, they weren't, you know, liking what they were getting from him. I think Damian Pierce is a decent opportunity slash, um, you know, talent and fit in the offense type of swing there. I'll take Greg Dolchich with the next pick here just because he got top 75 draft capital at the tight end position. I don't think it's a smart pick by the Broncos if they made this pick because you have Albert O and. I mean, your t- your offense wasn't very tight end centric to begin with anyway. So um, I don't understand this pick, but I'll take the the top 75 draft capital at the tight end position. Yeah, uh, I don't mind that at all. My next pick, uh, I'm going to take uh, Kevin Austin here. I mean, fourth round draft capital. Juju's obviously gone with the Steelers. Plug him in, see if he can earn a role. I'm not a, you know, a huge fan, huge follower of Kevin Austin, but landing him in here, I mean, you're, you're at least going to have opportunity there with the role of Juju being gone in the team. So plug him in. Hopefully you can earn some volume. And we're at the point of the draft that we're just kind of looking for potential opportunity. Like none of these guys are really standing out from a pure tier above talent level standpoint. None of them are standing out from a pure tier above draft capital standpoint. So just find situations with relatively talented players and opportunities to at least earn playing time and earn targets in the case of Kevin Austin. Yeah, to a similar point, I just give me Justin Ross to the he goes to the Jaguars. He goes back to his former quarterback, but he goes in round seven, which is not yeah. ideal. So, I mean, at the three eight, am I going to regret picking a seventh round wide receiver? Maybe if you drafted Seth Williams, who was a sixth round wide receiver last year in the end of the third round, early fourth round of your draft, you probably regretted it. But realistically, who are you going to pick there anyway? So give me Justin Ross, a guy who's been productive in the past. If he goes in the seventh round, it's it's likely because teams are worried about his health. I would imagine is why he would be a seventh round pick in the NFL draft. So hopefully his health can, can uh, hold up, but going to the Jaguars is a good landing spot for him. So I'll take uh, Justin Ross there. It's a tough point. I think I'm going to take Brian Robinson simply because we don't fully know the health status at this point of Cam Akers. Again, fifth round draft capital would be indicative in this scenario that the Rams are confident with it. But I mean, we just saw last year that Daryl Henderson had, uh, 
a, a range where he was an RB1 in fantasy. Sony Michelle came on down the stretch. Cam Akers came on down the stretch uh, to a certain degree, earning back his role. Ultimately, just give me insulation in the Rams offense. If Brian Robinson doesn't work out, cool, it's the 309. But if he does work out, you have insulation in the top offense. You have a lot of scoring opportunity. And you have a back that appeals to a coaching staff because he doesn't make a ton of mistakes, because he does all the little things right, that if there was a scenario for him to earn playing time, he would be the type of back that would take it and be able to get on the field as soon as possible. Yeah, again, not a very exciting pick. At not minimum, you get handcuff, handcuff value out of him. And speaking of handcuff value, I'll take Pierre Strong to the Colts yep. in the fifth round as well. He's not going to get on the field as long as Jonathan Taylor's out there, but he might be a pretty decent handcuff Hubbard. So at this point. In the draft, give me Pierre Strong as a guy who can carry the workload if asked. And even if Jonathan Taylor doesn't miss the whole season, he might have, you know, four or five good weeks. Jonathan Taylor, you know, sprains his MCL or something. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chuba Hubbard would be your example there. Uh, Obviously, working behind a main workhorse back. And we saw last year McCaffrey didn't hold. Hubbard had some RB2 type of relevance. I can see a case for that. Herbert last year, too. They had similar situations. So good pick with Strong there at the 310. At the 311, uh, I'm at a gross spot. Uh, I mean, we've kind of talked about it already, but uh, there's just not much talent on the board here. So, like, as a result, I'll take Zamir White because he has that fourth-round draft capital because he's landing in this situation with Baltimore where both of the lead backs there, obviously with J.K. Dobbins and Melvin, or not Melvin Gordon, he's rumored there, but in this scenario, I'm assuming that Melvin Gordon does not go to the... uh, Ravens if they're taking another running back but either way talking about J.K. Dobbins coming back from injury talking about Gus Edwards coming back from injury and if there's any opportunity for a fourth round back to at least see an opportunity for volume it would be in that situation obviously Dobbins and Gus Edwards both coming back from that severe ACL injury that affected both their seasons last year. Samir White's just a, just a guy in my opinion watching his film he's a guy that can work on first and second down run the ball efficiently not going to provide anything on on third down. Terrible pass protector. Not a good receiving back. And he's kind of just a guy. But if they want to add some depth, some youth to this running back core, give themselves some insurance in case Gus Edwards or J.K. Dobbins is not ready for the start of the season. He has a similar profile to Gus Edwards, even though I think Gus Edwards is more explosive, which I never thought I'd say about <laughs> Gus Edwards over anybody. But I do think he is probably more explosive. Final pick of the draft, 312. Again, getting real gross right here. You guys might be wondering why you haven't heard Rashad White's name yet. He went the sixth round to the Arizona Cardinals. He stays in the state of Arizona. Uh, he fills out the Chase Edmonds role, I would assume, in this scenario. He's a great receiving back, but he needs a lot of work on first and second down. And James Conner is going to be your primary ball carrier there. So you work your way in as a as a complimentary guy, and then maybe year two, year three of your NFL career, maybe you you establish yourself with a full workload by the time James Conner's 28, 29 years old. Yeah, and I mean, this class just kind of goes to show you that Anybody taken in the sixth round making their way on this mock indicates the actual strength of this class because you get to a certain point where the talent just falls off. The draft capital just falls off. The situation just falls off. And we've kind of seen it. I mean, in this whole third round, for the most part, are guys that we don't really like. Yeah, yeah, there's not really anybody. Like, Justin Ross sands the seventh-round draft capital is the only guy that I would say yeah. comfortably, I think, is, like, a good player. And Khalil Shakir, maybe, too, but that, that's about it. Jelani. So, yeah, and Jelani Woods. Like, it's not great at the end of these drafts. But anyway, 
I'm sorry if we lost enthusiasm by the end of these, but this draft class will do it to you. Like Danny said, hit the like button. If you guys enjoyed comment, any of your thoughts down below, favorite pick, whatever the case is, check out our super flex draft that we did yesterday. If you guys play in super flex leagues and not one quarterback leagues, subscribe to the channel. If you are new as well, And if you're interested in uh, getting our dynasty rankings, you can check out our Patreon link is in the description for that. Or you can deposit at our sponsors over at underdogfantasy.com using promo code FSE. You'll get 100% match back on whatever you put in. You'll also get our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto for free for doing that. So both links down in the description. Peace out, guys. We'll talk to you soon.